Hey Playwright, I'm Tori Rice. And I'm Mabel Reynoso. And welcome to Hey Playwright. A podcast about playwriting and life. Hey Mabel. Hey Tori. Well, I'm on day eight of the 28-day play challenge through The Literal Challenge. And you're sticking with website. it. You're I'm sticking, sticking with it. With it. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm doing it. They... They give you a new prompt every day. They are located in the UK. So um, you you get that prompt and then you have 36 hours from the time you get the prompt to write it. But if you are waiting to the last minute with your previous prompts, then you're you're already behind. I'm just really proud of myself for sticking with it and writing something different and complete every single day. Now they're short plays. But, but I'm doing it. <laughs> there is no but. There's no oh, but. I, I'm yeah. super proud of you. I think that's amazing. And it seems like you have a wide range of, uh, of, of ideas that you've been working with and, um, and, and opportunities to expand some of these, right? That's, that's really cool. Right. Um, I've made some discoveries. That's always a gift when you are writing and you find that you're actually really enjoying a character or a certain part of the story. And yeah, I, I could see some of these short pieces going on to be uh, spending more time with them for sure. Yeah. So I'm having fun. I'm not dreading it. And I was worried that that might be the case, but I'm not feeling that I'm actually enjoying the process, but I also do make sure that I carve out that time to sit down and do it each night, you know, and it's important. And, you know, I know a a lot of writers are more disciplined than I am, uh, trying to juggle family life and, you know, the basic things, cooking, cleaning, taking care of the pets and the, and the child and the husband and work just as the regular work commitments. And then I, I find, wow, I'm not having me time, like time for my art. And this is forcing me to make that time. It's forcing me to be accountable. And so, and it feels uh, attainable because it's small digestible chunks, you know? That's cool. I would really like to try that next year. Yeah, we should do it together next year. That would be fun. Ooh, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's making me feel a little better since I I kind of dropped the ball on my 90-day play. Okay, so here's the thing. So we both did, right? right. But uh, end of play is coming up, mm-hmm. sponsored by the Dramatist Guild. And so that is going to be... That's, that's going to um, right the ship for us. That's what I... That's what I forecast, Tori, because right now... Did you uh, say right the shit? Yeah. The ship! The boat! (laughs) Right the shit! (laughs) It's not like you said right the shit. Sorry. The the barco. La nave. (laughs) Um, Yes, uh, that is going to um, get us back on track because we will have that month to to work on this and pound it out 
And because I am not doing a 28 day play challenge, but I have three different deadlines that I'm working on. This, February is is a rough one for me. That's going to be, I mean, I feel like I say that, do I say that every month? Yeah, you do, but that's okay. Because you, you have, you do, you take on these projects that are, to me, when I think about what you're doing, I feel tired. Okay. That makes so, me feel, that makes me feel good. But I did do, I, I, okay. So though I did not work on the, the full length play that we set out to, you know, the one that I set out to write, I did work on a play this week that I'm very excited about. Can't really talk about it right now, but I'm excited super, too. super excited about it. So it's, it's going to be incredible. I'm excited too. I will say about the 28 day plays though, what, what, 28 plays in 28 days. What am I trying to say here? Is that writing every day like this? I mean, if you're even only writing five pages a day, you can have a full length play at the end of 28 days. I know there's some playwrights out there listening and going like, man, these ladies are crazy. No, I would say, yeah, you are because you are, you're doing, you're writing. It just may not be the the play right now. That's fine. But for me, they're like, okay, suck it up, lady. No. Yeah, they're going, they're going, I have kids and a job, and I still wrote two full-length plays. Everybody's on their own journey. So we're gonna be working, Tori. We're gonna we're gonna commit to doing the Dramatist Killed end of play. Yes. Event, right? And that actually segues beautifully into today's guest because today's guest in addition to being an amazing playwright is the co-ambassador of the dramatist guild here in san diego our wonderful guest today is alita barthel she is a playwright screenwriter teacher her play Night Witches Flight into Fantasy was a part of the New Village Arts Theater's 2019 Final Draft Festival. Alita's play Window of Shame is a finalist at the National Playwrights Conference at the O'Neill Theater for 2021. The same play was also finalist for the 2016 Humanitas CTG Playwriting Prize. Alita was a panelist for the Writing from History at the 2015 Dramatist Guild National Conference and is currently developing a television series about the 12th century Queen Eleanor of Aquitaine, for which she received a grant to study source material in Paris through the French Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Alita is also a teaching artist with Playwrights Project and founder of the Youth Theater Education Program Kids Act at New Village Arts Theater. She holds a Bachelor of Science from Northwestern University and has trained at the British American Drama Academy, Oxford, and Shakespeare and Company. Um, she studied playwriting and screenwriting at UCSD. Currently, Alita is the recipient of a grant from the California Humanita... Not Humanity... <laughs> That one's humanities. I'm so great at this. <laughs> Currently, Alita is a receptionist. Rece- <laughs> All right. <laughs> so good. This Currently, awesome. third, third one's a charm. Currently, Alita is the recipient of a grant from. Currently, Alita is the recipient of a grant from California. Humanities for a project called Saving Stories, a toolkit in the age of COVID-19. 
recipient, receptionist. It's all tomato, tomato, right? (laughs) Yeah. I I say that is an introduction for the ages of leading. You will never get an introduction like that again. Yeah. Thank God. And if I were a receptionist, I might have a steadier paycheck. I <laughs> it would be a better thing. Man, you know, uh, listening to that intro, though, I learned things that I didn't know. So do you, are, you started as an actor then? And then, or, or were you doing both? No, I, I was an actor. And when I was at Northwestern, the big thing was adaptation. Like that was the cool thing that you did. Frank Galati was there and he had won a Tony for his adaptation of Grapes of Wrath on, on Broadway. Um, you had Mary Zimmerman, um, who was one of my TAs, who, who has had a bunch of stuff on Broadway as well, the Odyssey and, and different metamorphoses and things like that. And so it's like, that's what you did, right? Like you didn't write stuff. And then I moved to San Diego and it's like, I want to try this playwriting thing. And I reached out to Alan Havis at UCSD and I was like, yeah, I've done all this adaptation. And he just so kindly, he was like, well, you know, finding your own words is is a little bit different than adapting material, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And boy, was I just humbled just right from the get-go and 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 learning that and and how that how that goes. Yeah. And so Alita, what was the um the the most challenging part about it when you first started writing your own words? Or- you know, the the thing is um, like I never would have written if I hadn't had a kid, like I could commit to a rehearsal schedule and go and be in a rehearsal room and do stuff, but having the discipline to sit my butt down and just having to write, I don't know if it's ADD or, or what, um, but having a kid sitting there nursing that kid, it was like, this is your outlet right now. And this is what you're going to do. And, and it really, it saved my sanity at that moment to take that class and to be able to kind of put everything through, through there. It really did. So just to, to make sure I'm understanding, you started playwriting when you became a mother. Is that, wow, that's interesting. That's beautiful. And something that is very relatable to me. Not that I started playwriting when I was a mother, but the whole part about it keeping your sanity, um, I, I I think that makes so much sense. And I think that Tori and I have actually spoken about the the need to write, especially right now during this crazy time, is we've maintained our sanity. Um, thankfully, we have writing as that outlet. So I think that's really interesting. Well, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then the interest of going into to screenwriting as well was that thing of like. I have 20 minutes and that is it, right? I can write a scene in 20 minutes and with screenwriting, then you can stitch them all together like quilts, right? Like you can do that in those those little bursts. And that was like, oh, okay, this is working really well for me right now. You know, this is about my, my capacity, you know? 
not not that there isn't oh my gosh a whole huge thing of of beautifully trying to figure out how to stitch everything together so that it it still motivates everything and and it still all works right yeah absolutely um do you remember your first play <laughs> it was called thalia or talia however you want to do it it was is about the muse of comedy and um she she's supposed to come to earth and inspire this artist right but she she falls in love and um so she becomes mortal and um she has to choose right and um and she dies she dies in childbirth in this play and my um a good friend of mine was like, oh, Alita, this is just like the death of your past life of like having a child and everything is all different. And I'm like, well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was imaginary, but whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's really deep. <laughs> you um, do tend to gravitate towards magical realism. You can just kind of spin off into this mythical, magical world where supernatural, I guess, could be an element of it as well. And and yet you have real characters in there. You know, it's not it's not all cartoon like. I was thinking to a reading that I was a part of of um, your play about the witches was just fascinating because I learned about this important part of history that I didn't know about. Night Witches is based on an all-female Russian air regiment um, where they they drop bombs over German targets. And um, they use these wood and canvas planes and they would idle their engines and they would drop down so that they wouldn't be heard and because they were wood and canvas, they couldn't be detected by radar. And they would just drop the bombs right over the guys. And what they did here was the wind brushing against the canvas and it sounded, sounded like a broomstick. So that's why they called them night witches. And so even if they didn't get them with a bomb, man, they went every three minutes all night long. So at least they didn't sleep, right? That was the basis of the play that that I did. I I kind of wove it in with uh, a, a Russian fairy tale or folk tale, um, and kind of a la Little Prince, where this this woman pilot and and this kind of echoes back to some truth is that this this woman who had um, actually started this whole squad before they officially began, she died. She died in a crash. And so in this story, we meet these women who are part of this group. They go up for this, this flight and the woman crashes and she's got her co-pilot and her co-pilot had told her to make sure that she got this message to her parents. And so she sees that she's dead and so she takes the message and she goes into this world of this fairyland where there's 
these characters. There's this witch, Baba Yaga, who gives her all these crazy tasks that she has to complete, right? And and in the end of the play, we we kind of she's discovered by her teammates. They find her. And so it's kind of, is it a dream or is she kind of climbing that Jacob's ladder kind of a thing? And they and they and they pull her out of it that way. And I I I saw an exhibit down at the Aerospace Museum when I first moved to San Diego over 20 years ago about these women. And I was like, oh, yep, that's a good one. But it was always like, well, when or how, you know, why would you tell this story? And as I started to kind of research more about Stalin and just how crazy he was, (laughs) it's just... It was this message of how do you serve your country when a madman is in charge? And like these past four years, I was like, yep, okay, now I know why I need to tell the story. And, yeah. and it's that it went back to that thing, that connection of serving each other. Like she has to deliver this message for her, mm-hmm. her you know, her co-pilot. Also, um, walking down the corn like I didn't know about that either in that play either I went oh my gosh I'm from the Midwest I feel like I should know about this thing with the corn you have these silos where you keep corn or grain or whatever and throughout the Midwest um, there have been these horrific accidents where kids teenagers are kind of sent into these big silos which what seems like kind of a simple job of walking down the corn and knocking all of the rotten stuff out so that they can bring in fresh corn. What you don't know is that there can be pockets underneath and you just, you fall in and you suffocate in like 20 seconds. You're like, why would you send your kid in to do that? You know, it's kind of the thing, but it's... Do they go like up from the top of the silo and like... Yeah, you can. Like, I mean, it, at that point, if there's still that much grain, like you climb up on the side and there's kind of a little hole and you and you climb into it. And what's happened is that especially with more corporate farms and larger farming and more demands for more and bigger, these silos have gotten huge, right? And so what used to be kind of a traditional task is different now because it's the, the the scale of it is just so large and and just the state of the world that we have with our kids right now what are we handing them you know between the economy and global the global crisis that's going on it's like we're asking them to walk walk down the corn in that story we have this this teenage boy who's supposed to go do this job and um his sister runs off to do it ahead of him because she knows he's he's kind of irritated about it but if they don't get it done she can't go into town she's got this audition that she wants to do and, and the brother and the dad have gotten distracted because this dog is coming in and is causing havoc and they've, they've gone off to take care of that. And so she goes in 
and she gets stuck and she's she's like up to her neck and the brother comes um and and it's he, with him trying to get her out he gets her up onto this tarp that he's brought in but in so doing they've exchanged places and now he's buried and and also what happens in these things is that if you're in there too long you can't breathe anymore because the air and it's kind of that choice of if she stays with him they're both going to die right like the only chance for survival is 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 if she goes and in the other part of the the story is that there's there's a mother who has died and she's died of cancer and again it's you know maybe one too many things in the pot but going back to what's going on with with farming and these seeds and everything that's involved and she is kind of watching all of this that's happening and she steps in to kind of help ease the brother in in his transition of of what's happening but there's also a magical character yeah oh yeah there's the green man yes, yes. oh yes. my gosh Tori. <laughs> so there's this <laughs> yes yes this 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 character the green man is um he's he's like the harvest he's the rebirth right things live and die and so he he hangs out <laughs> in the garden and this this little girl tends to this garden that's for her mom. Like that's that's where she's with her mom. And the green man, the mom will come when the girl's gone. And they kind of run down what's going on, you know, during during the times and, and things like what are we doing today? And da-da-da-da-da. And and he he can feel kind of sinister, I guess, um, because he knows when she's there and that something's something's gonna turn like something's gonna happen and he's like oh what is it what what do we what do we have today sort of a thing um so yes definitely that's the added magical realism yes 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 yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh my gosh i remember um seeing it at or or reading the stage directions i read stage directions for it when you did a reading at scripps ranch theater. And um, I remember thinking, boy, this is just really brutal sending kids in because I know. So so Mabel, the kid, you can put a harness on, right? But I think a lot of times people just didn't do it, or maybe the harness was broken, and they just went in to do their job, which is just to walk, walk down the corn. And that's how they ended up dying. And um, I don't know. Is that something that is a practice that is still done today or because? Yeah, it, it, it is. But there's all sorts of like you talk about the harness and you're always supposed to go in pairs. Right. Um, you know, there's there's equipment that needs to be had on on hand to, to help out if if this thing goes sideways. Now, the play that um, won the Humanitas uh, Award, is that the one that then went on to win the most recent contest? Is Yeah, it's a finalist for the National Playwrights Conference right now. And okay. um, that one, 
also has a lot of supernatural in it. Um, that piece is also based on um, a historical incident um, and a ghost story. When I was in New Orleans, um, I did a, a little ghost tour and we hit this one house and they said, this, this is the house of Dr. Madame LaLaurie. And they were really well known for their fancy parties. And one night there was a party and there was a fire in the kitchen. So they called the firemen and they put it out. But because it is the French Quarter in New Orleans and everything's so tight, um, you had to go to every room to make sure that it, there wasn't an ember anywhere. So the firemen go upstairs and there is one room that is all these locks on it. So they call to the Lalories to get it opened. And people are like, they're gone. They jumped into their carriage and they are out of there. And so they break down the door and inside of it are all of these slaves who are in different states of um, experimental scientific torture, basically. No. Yeah. And the, the one person, there's some sources that say she died. Some people say, some sources say that she survived, um, was a cook who was chained in the kitchen who started the fire to bring attention to that room that's upstairs. And they, they bricked up that window and that's what you see to this day. And if that property is sold, it's in the lease that that room stays closed because it is the window of shame. We are to never forget this, what has happened. And so the ghost part of it, there's several ghost parts of it, but the main ghost part is that there's this teenage girl that you see running and jumping from the second story kind of over and over again. And the story is that this young girl was brought into the house and she was curling Madame LaLaurie's hair. And she either burned her with the curling iron or pulled her hair or something, made her mad. And Madame LaLaurie chased her with a whip. And the girl, kind of by accident, went into that room and saw what was there. And so rather than go that way, she chose to run and jump. Mm -hmm. And the speculation is that that was that is what spurred the cook to to take this drastic action and you know kind of taking her own life really right right um to to do this wow wow and and that was another piece that i was like well you know that would be a really great play and then it was like well, but why tell a story about torture and slavery? And and this shows how far back it, it goes because when we found out that we were torturing people in Guantanamo Bay, I was like, 
okay, this is why. And that feeling of, I am part of, I am part of this group that is doing this thing. And I do not want to be a part of this group that is doing this thing. And, and, and for me in that story, like this woman with the least latitude for action, literally, you know, chained in the kitchen is the one who brings about the change that's needed, right? That's that's my hopeful message in that that whole dark piece. What I'm hearing just through all of the pieces that you've shared, just the three, and I know that you have more under your belt, is that when you write, you are also taking into consideration what what the message is, what you're hopeful to accomplish with your writing, like social, like definitely your plays. Um, are socially conscious plays that it, right? Or that's what I'm hearing from you. That you hear about something, you're inspired to write something, and then there is definitely this interlocking reason, like a like a bigger reason for it happening. But again, it's that magical the the part of the universe coming in and and you know getting you to actually put that message out there. But it's definitely tied into things that are currently happening and have happened in the past, right? Like history repeating itself. Yeah, but but like I had, you know, there's a danger in that too, in that you, it's too, it's too much of an idea, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not a story anymore. But, but the part of me that, that really is aware of that is I re read a long time ago, a book by Harold Clerman, who, um, was part of the group theater in New York, and he wrote this book called On Directing. And he's like, as a director, your first question is, why does this story have to be told today? And and it's true. Like, when you start out writing, at least me, I can't always answer that question. Like, some things just take me, and I'm just writing it. But then when it gets to that moment, if I'm going to share it with somebody and ask them to cough up bucks to do it or whatnot, you know, that's a pretty important question to be able to answer. Why would people want to come see this story today? Is it going to fill the seats, right? right. You know, right. I think that's a, that's a really important question to ask. And I'm glad that you said that that's not something that you think about initially when you start writing, because as you were talking about your, the, the three plays that you shared with us, you explained you had you you got the inspiration and you 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 know you kind of bank that um and then you got the why should i tell this story um uh, which is something that we you know we say like okay that's one of the things that you should consider but often for me i sometimes have an idea and i just go with it and i don't know why so but i mean yes like you said it's a very important question to ask is why should people spend their money or their and their time and energy to watch this play i think that's that's a really great way to look at approaching work, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I was thinking, Alita, I mean, one of the projects that you and I worked on, which seems like uh, a million years ago, but was really only last year. <laughs> Pre-COVID, right? That was it was right on the edge of it. And it was the caregivers play. Yeah, I was just so honored um, 
to, to do that work because that, that organization, Southern Caregiver Resource Center, they helped me personally. Like when my mom moved out here and I was like, help, where is help? And they're like, it's here, it's here and here and here, you know. What they um, specialize in is, is family caregiving. Um, just giving people respite, you know, letting somebody go in to, to watch their loved ones so that they can at least go out for a little bit, you know, and, and, and have a little bit of a, of a breather. Lisa Karajian and Alita both wrote plays. So they were companion, companion pieces and it was just a really lovely evening and, um, great performances, great plays. Um, so great directing. Great oh, directing. I had, I had, Victoria Rice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had, really I had, true. I had a lot of fun. That was a blast. But again, a, another play of yours that, 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 that was, I, I don't want to say um, a message, but was meant to, you know, bring people in to, to an understanding of something that's happening and what's available to you and opening doors. I, I really appreciate that about your work. So that, which, which leads into what you're doing right now. Mabel is a part of it. Yeah, February 26th, 7 o'clock. If you go to New Village Arts Theater and click on events and click on saving stories, um, we're going to have our opening screening. Um, it's a series of four different stories. And what we've done is um, we've paired San Diego playwrights or dramatists with individuals who are currently isolated in either assisted or skilled nursing facilities. They heard their stories. Um, they've written a monologue based on those stories. We have fabulous professional San Diego actors who are acting those out. And, um, and we have this brilliant young man, Anthony Golden, who is serving as our, our director, putting all of those videos together. So we're having the, the first four um, will be on February 26th. And then the second four is going to be on March 26th. And one of those pieces um, is actually, we, we kind of veered off a little bit, but we felt like this was the spirit of, of what this project was about, is a young man um, working with his father who has Alzheimer's. And he took a video camera with him on when he went to visit. And he asked his dad, like, what would you say? Like, if you had a story, what would you say? And his dad was just like, what would you say? And this, this young man is a wonderful musician, and he started singing it and mm. playing this tune with it. And it just brought out all of this stuff from his father. And it's, it's just really, really beautiful. So that, I mean, this this is Alita's, like, you know, wonderland kind of thing. Like what I would love is if this was done everywhere. We have people who are isolated, especially people with dementia and memory. It is so, so hard. 
We have people whose livelihood is shut down right now. Let people work, use their talents and do some good. Because I think that it does both of those things, you know. How do you how do you imagine um, those relationships happening? Like, how can people make those connections happen? How did you do it? Um, this was actually proved trickier than than what we thought. Um, one one of the the team members we have, his name is Carlisle. Um, Coash, and he was a chaplain in a hospice chaplain for for many years um, in hospitals, and he kind of helped set us up with with one hospice social worker who gave us some people, and then um, I was reaching out to different skilled and nursing facilities that my mom had been in when she was in California, thinking that it was some kind of personal connection that. I would get a call back or something, you know, um, but it's, it's, it is so crazy right now that I wasn't hearing anything and it took kind of really having somebody who is a personal connection in a certain facility, a champion that helped us do that. Mm. And, and to be honest, guess what? They're, they're the facilities of privilege, you know? And so that's, that's the next thing to figure out is, um, how do we widen this? Right. How do we do this? Because there's barely enough staff just to get stuff done. I know. And then you're asking people to set up a zoom in a FaceTime session, which is great. And that, I mean, that was one of the catalysts for how this got started. Cause the moment when I found out those things were shut down, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like there has to be some kind of way that we can make connection. And I heard that in that first stimulus bill that they were earmarking money for FaceTime and for zoom and for technology, for people to have connection. And I was like, ha, there it is. That's how we go in there, you know? And but you still need somebody to take down the time to get the machine there, to be there. If it's especially not somebody who, who has their own computer or has use of their hands, right, Mabel? Mm -hmm. They've got to set that all up. And it's, um, mm. it's, it's another job, you know? Yeah. So. Mabel, her partner, do you want to talk about um, working with your partner a little bit? Yeah, so I so I had two partners, um, and uh, one of my partners um, passed away. Uh, oh, I'm going to start. It makes me... It's a beautiful story, though, because she got to hear it. Um she got to hear it and and so i and and though i i never got to meet her so here's the thing that what how this story was made possible it really it really took a village to make it happen um when we first when i when i first connected with her daughter uh, her daughter was very adamant that i could meet her 
and I could go to her facility and we could go sit on the patio and talk because she told me that her mother loved to talk. So that was the plan because I said, oh, can we get on Zoom? Can we, you know, get on the phone or whatever? And she's like, no, 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 just, just, just wait. Um, we'll, we'll uh, just come out. Um, but they, they had just gone under lockdown because of COVID. And so it was like, give me 14 days. Okay, fine. So 14 days come and go. Um, we're back in contact. I, and I, you know, meanwhile, I just am following up with, Hey, how's it going? Is everything okay? You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the daughter really, really responsive, really lovely. And, um, then the facility once again, just as it was opening up another case of COVID. And so it keeps shutting down. And so, um, we're getting worried because, you know, we're on a timeline here and, so I'm like, I check with Alita and say, hey, can I, do you think I can send her questions and see if she can get answers? And so, um, so that's what we did. So the, the interview process, the story collection on my part consisted of going back and forth with her daughter who would call her on the phone because her daughter couldn't go to the facility. Mm. And so, um, and, but she was, but I, you know. It seems like they were having really great conversations out of it based on the the information that I was getting from the daughter. Um, and I was able to to follow up, ask follow-up questions, get photos. And, um, and though I never met this woman, I feel that I was connected with her. Um, and her daughter, like I said, could not have done this without her daughter. But I was very committed to doing it because... Because Alita, I keep saying this, Alita, I keep, this is something that stuck with me, but Carlisle had said at the beginning, like, this might be the last time that someone gets to tell their story. And, and sure enough. Mabel turned in her monologue to me on Tuesday. And that woman passed away that next day. Oh my gosh, I just got chills. Mabel. You made you you brought you brought her words into a story that other people are going to get to hear and enjoy and learn something and about it her is, life. I will tell oh you what though, it is gosh. such an inspiring story because this woman got her doctorate in her sixties. Yeah. So oh, yeah. oh no. I mean, wow. wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Man, so. you guys choked me up. Yeah. And I, I haven't even heard the story yet. <laughs> I just feel I, like I just feel super, super privileged yeah. to have been a part of this. So thank you, Alita, mm. for, for bringing me on board, because I just wow is. It's, thank you. Well, thank on the you. web on the website, we'll put a link to the information, you know, so, so that we can okay. properly plug it and people can sign up to come and and enjoy these stories. Yeah. What, and what that's just that, one. That's, that's one, one. one of, of, you know, there's just, they're all such incredible eight. stories, right? There's eight stories and they're all incredible. And, um, and that's the thing, you know, we, every human being has an incredible story and it's just a matter of, of giving that story a platform. So, and, and one of the stories is, um, my, my partner was, um, Sylvia M. Lafay Thompson, who a lot of people know. And um, she had gone into a post-acute facility. And um, because of COVID, has just been there. And um, so, you know, 
we put together our piece and this idea of having a professional actor act it out is like, well, who else are you gonna get but him <laughs> laughing? So she's she's done her own piece and it's and it's 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 great and it's 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 just really, really terrific. And so I feel really, really honored um, that sh she did this with us. It's, it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alita, um, do you have anything else you would like to plug, like any other readings coming up or anything else you're working on that you want to talk about? Your um, process? <laughs> um. I well, I I am gonna be teaching a playwriting workshop um, through San Diego Writers Inc. that starts on March twenty first. So if anybody's interested in doing that, um, you're you're welcome to do that. Is it any skill um, level, or do you have to be far along? Um, it's any skill level, but it is certainly um, a lot of people have taken previous ones. So if you have a familiarity with at least what a play looks like, like kind of how it's laid out. That's super, super helpful. But there certainly are people who are novelists who are coming in and and trying it. So, yeah, we're 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 pretty wide that way. Um, and let's see, what else was I gonna? Uh, we have an end of play um, event that is happening through the Dramatist Guild. And this is also something that happened last year that was in the middle of the whole COVID thing. Um, it's from this year, it's April through May. It's like a month and you register through the Dramatist Guild. And it's to just kind of give you that push to just uh, right through to the end. Okay. We're going to do you... it, Tori. This year is our year. <laughs> okay. We're going to yeah. do it. We're committing. You've heard it, Alita. We're committing. Tori and I, this is when we finish our yes. full-length play, Tori. We're going to okay. do it, Alita. So that is great. And one other plug that I'm going to do and kind of talking about um, process and that struggle of kind of trying to just sit in the chair, like my daughter, my kid and I, we have this joke about a, a riding rope and we change it into a ribbon where you literally tie yourself down into the chair. Like I have to get this done. Um, a, a, another more wonderful way to do that is to run away um, to Dorland Arts Colony that's outside of Temecula. They have very reasonable little cottages. What? what? Where is this? Yes. What? Dorland. What? I think it's D-O-R-L-A-N-D. Dorland Mountain Arts Colony. You have to apply. Um, and you can rent a little cottage for a week, for two weeks. Some people are there for a month or three months. And there's there's trails and everything all around. There's a pond with frogs. I spent a lot of time taking pictures of frogs on my first day. My family was like, how much writing are you getting done? Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, look at this one. But it's just so beautiful because you work, you go for a walk, it, it, it gets your time and you're not distracted by something else. So it kind of lets you come and sit sit back down to it 
And I was reading the New York Times and there was this little article where they were just talking about how movement and creativity are so linked. So those little walks, and I remember, I was like, yeah, I remember reading about how Neil Simon used to go and play tennis all the time. I was like, that seems weird. But now I'm like, no, makes perfect sense. Makes sense. But all right, Alita. So here is the portion of the show where we do our asking for a friend. Now, asking for a friend, are you a completer? Meaning... If you are reading a book or watching a movie or play or TV series that where you don't connect with the main character or characters or you just hate it, do you turn it off or are you a completer? Must you go to the end? Now off. Off. What are you, Mabel? Ugh. Much to my detriment, I am a completer. And I am I am suffering through a show right now. That's why I'm asking. That's I told this is what I was doing today. When I should have been writing, I'm watching this show that everybody was like, oh, it's so great. And I and I these these characters are assholes and I hate them. Oh Uh, yeah, I I know what it is. I'm not gonna say because I don't think you do, because I haven't talked about it. It's not the one that you wanted to talk to me about? No, no, no. Wait, did I recommend the show? No. Okay, no, good. we've never talked about it. Okay, this is kind of the reverse. Like we have been watch partying, watching Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all just like two characters have been killed. And we were like, those were the only decent people in this whole bunch. Like, like what are we going to do? <laughs> But we're still loving that series. Okay. Totally, totally still loving it. But yeah, I mean, if everybody's just, yeah, I'm those icky ones where it's just so dark and it's just, it's just dark and darker and dark and you don't like, if they all died, I don't care. You know, Mm -hmm. why watch that? I used to be a completer. I really did. Like I, I would stick, I would stick in relationships till the bitter end. Like you would have to walk away from me. It was terrible. And yeah, I had to finish books and, oh, not so much anymore. Like now if someone is, is just not bringing joy to my life, then no, I'm done. I lost a lot of family members during the, you know, the election of 2016. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I don't have to talk to you anymore because I'm an adult now and I can choose <laughs> who to spend my time with, you know? Like, so so most definitely, I think that's one of the joys, Mabel, we were just talking about what happens with, with Colette Friedman about when you get to be a certain age, you just start to give less and less shits. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know? I, I hear that, but maybe it's the optimist in me because I want to believe that this is going to get better. Oh, yeah. Um, and I have. I've had read mm-hmm. books where I, 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 I hated it for the first 100 pages and then it just got so good. And so I don't know. I'm not there yet, but I think it's an interesting question, especially talking to writers. Like, how do you, do you walk away from a, a story that you just... 
Well, and that's that's such an important question, like, and especially right now. Um, what are our attention spans gonna oh be like? God. What is our attention span gonna be like for theater? Like oh. at the before it was like, you know, if you had a play over 90 minutes, right? You know, when they used to be two and a half, three hours, right? No. And and kind of having that patience to let things roll out. Do we have that anymore? The, the, the other side could be that we are so excited. That's what I think. Okay. To be in that moment and to just be with people. People. And have that collective, oh, the gasping and the, you know. Oh, I can't wait till we can do that again. Yeah. Alita, we we would love for you to leave our listeners, who might be more than our moms now. I know. You're right. Uh, to <laughs> to leave a to leave them with a writing prompt. So you said you have you have one, yeah? So this is a thought. Okay. Okay. Is to think of starting a scene with one of these sound effects. Crickets. The rumbling from an avalanche, sleigh bells, or thunder. Love that. Crickets, crickets. <laughs> I love it. I was like, oh, I wish I had a sound effect to play right now. <laughs> I, know. I know. Hold on, hold on. I think I do, actually. Can be a great source of inspiration for setting the mood of a scene and also telling you where you are. There we go. There we go. Oh, <sighs> Rita, thank you so much for carving time out of your Super Bowl Sunday to join us. <laughs> it was mine to give, I assure you. Thank you very, very much. I thank you for inviting me. This has really been lovely. I appreciate oh. it. Thank you, Alita. You're awesome. All right, Tori. Yeah. Oh, it was so fun to spend time with Alita. I learned so many things that I didn't know about her. And, you know, our paths cross kind of, I, I don't see her all the time, but when our paths cross, it's just so joyful. I just really enjoy having conversations with her. She's funny. Um, she's interesting. I feel like she, she just chooses the most interesting subjects to write about. You really know? does. Oh my yeah. goodness. Where I go, where, how did you even come across that? And I, so I, I love hearing about how she um, came across these ideas and then turned them into plays. Yeah, that's really great. And that's, that's her work as a playwright. We didn't even right. talk about the work that she does as a teaching artist. So we're going to have to bring her back uh, and devote a show entirely to her work with kids. She has her own youth acting program in North County called Kids Act, Imagine, Create, Perform. And she teaches all different types of classes from character work to playwriting. Um, the kids work on, uh, they work up to a performance. They also have improv classes. And I know Sam Ginn, works with her um on a program called theater for all and and that is um monday night live 
and it's an improv class for teachers and young adults with neurodiversity and their neurotypical peers. So they create this safe environment for the students to um, collaborate and give them confidence and a voice. So they have a live performance with that as well. It's just um, really great mindful theater all around. And so we will put that in our show notes if anyone's interested. Um, but there's just, just a whole body of classes that you can take. It seems like there's something for for everyone under 18. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. It, well, I mean, it is Kids Act, right? So it's, right. For, it's for the youth. <laughs> and then and then she's got her her other class that's going to be starting up right at the San Diego Writers Inc for her for That's her right and that will be yeah. for adults. So yes. so if you are looking for a playwriting class, um Elita is going to be teaching one there. That's awesome. Yeah. You know you know when she said it I was like, oh, we should take Oh, a I know. We should take a class. That'd I be great. I was thinking that too. So <laughs> so um if you don't know us personally and you're listening to this podcast, one thing Mabel and I, um, well, I guess I'm speaking for you. I should speak for myself. One thing I believe is that I, I, I can always learn something. And that's why I like taking other people's classes because I feel like um, they have a perspective that I don't have. And I'm always introduced to new tools and and it's just so much fun. And especially if you do know the person and you already like them and you know you're going to have a good time, you know, why not? I like supporting other artists. That's awesome. You could totally speak for me, by the way. Okay. So Mabel says she also is always open to learning. Absolutely. Well, we have uh, we have to go prep for, uh, for a performance this weekend, uh, February 13th. 7 p.m. Pacific time. If you are not doing anything, and there's a good chance you're not doing anything because we are still in the middle of a pandemic, uh, we invite you to celebrate Valentine's Eve with us as we do the V-Minute Valentine's five-minute short play festival happening on Zoom. So you can watch in the comfort of your own home. It is a free show. So um, all you have to do is register uh, and you can go to our website, heyplaywright.com. And uh, and the link is there. So um, you can also follow us on social media. Tori? Yes, you can. You can find us on Facebook at Hey Playwright, on Twitter, and on Instagram at Hey Playwright. And if you found any value in this show, uh, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to our podcast. We're about learning and growing, and we're going to try a new lesson tomorrow, so I'm very excited about that. Oh, me too. A class that, has, that we're doing with our kids. And uh, yeah, so until, until next time, uh, uh, until our performance, um, we say adios, good night, happy... Happy day, happy week, happy life, and um, and go write something. This is Tony and Marbell.